How do you do? After Aaron, how did he do? He did good. He did. He's good. After, after he welcomed me, he turned around and said, now don't mess up. <laughs> well, good morning, everyone. You know, uh, this service has those cards, not so much the, the bulletins that are common in Baptist churches, but if you've been around Baptist churches very long, you know that not everything gets printed in those bulletins uh, quite the way it was intended. And some years ago, there was a list of bulletin bloopers that made the rounds, and one of them was, don't let worry kill you, let the church help. <laughs> there was a husband who was exasperated because her, his wife was always worrying about everything, and he, he said to her, why do you always worry? It doesn't do any good. 90% of the things you worry about never happen anyway. And she said, see there, it works. <laughs> worry is something that we're all prone to as part of the human condition. In Matthew 6, Jesus talks about worry. More specifically, the kind of worry that questions God's ability to take care of his people and provide for their needs. And in the process of telling us what not to worry about, Jesus draws a contrast between the things we should not seek after and those things we should seek. So look with me at Matthew chapter 6. We'll finish up uh, the verses today with verses 25 through 34, the words of our Lord Jesus. And if you're able, I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's word. Where Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Thank you. Please be seated. Now, this little section of the Sermon on the Mount that we've been studying for a good while now uh, is connected to what comes before it in verses 19 to 24. Because if you notice, verse 25 begins with, therefore. In the previous passage, the passage we studied last week, as a matter of fact, Jesus drew a, a contrast between earthly treasure and heavenly treasure and God and money. 
and told us that we should seek treasure in heaven and that we can't serve both God and money. Verses 25 to 34 are just a continuation of that same line of thought, if you will. Jesus, assuming that we will choose heavenly treasure over earthly treasure and God over money, he tells us what our attitude should be then regarding each of those things. And we learn that we should resist becoming engrossed in our own concerns and instead seek as first priority the concerns of God. Three times in this passage we've read, Jesus says, don't worry. He says it in verse 25, again in verse 31, and finally in verse 34. And the things about which we are forbidden from worrying are food and drink and clothing, according to verse 31. What uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon called the world's trinity of cares, the basic necessities of our lives. These are the things that the pagans seek, according to Jesus. And we see that's very much the case as we look around in our world. If you uh, walk by any magazine rack near a grocery checkout stand or in a bookstore, you'll see magazine after magazine devoted to fashion and food and wine and all of these things, things that have no other purpose than to teach us how to live comfortably and affluently. Publication after publication focused on the needs of the body and how to feed it and clothe it and heat it and cool it and refresh it and relax it and strengthen it and shape it and entertain it and indulge it. Now Jesus doesn't teach that we shouldn't care for our bodies. After all, he tells us that we should request our daily bread in prayer, in the model prayer that he taught us. But he does teach that life is more than the body. To become engrossed in material comforts and adornments is an unworthy preoccupation for people who belong to God. After all, it's ludicrous that someone's happiness should depend upon the strength of the dollar or the cost of a gallon of gas or whether the stock market is up or whether it's down. Life is more than food, Jesus says. The body is more than the clothes we put on it. And so consequently, Jesus tells us not to let such secondary things as food and clothing or material goods preoccupy us, draw our attention from what is really important, which he says in verse 33 is the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Those are the things we should concern ourselves about. Now, when Jesus says not to worry, he doesn't mean that we ought to just live on the streets and give no thought about where our next meal is coming from. Because even what Jesus says back up in verses 19 to 24 about storing up treasure in heaven, that's related to preparing for the future, an eternal future, as a matter of fact. The Bible says a wise person makes provision for the future. In, in Proverbs, it uses the example of the ant that stores up for the winter. Even the birds Jesus talks about here build nests. So Jesus is not forbidding forethought. He's forbidding anxious thought. The word that's translated worry here is the same word that's used to describe Martha when she was distracted by the cares of the kitchen 
instead of listening to the teaching of Jesus like her sister Mary in that story recounted in Luke chapter 10. In the parable of the sower, it's a word used to refer to the cares of life that choke out the good seed so that it can't grow and bear fruit. It's the word used by the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6, 6 and 7. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. By the way, did you know that passage that I just quoted is the most frequently highlighted passage in the Bible by those who read the Bible on Amazon's Kindle e-readers? You know, Amazon tracks what you highlight and what you read on their Kindles. And this passage in Philippians 4 gets highlighted more than anything else in the Scripture, more than John 3.16, more than the 23rd Psalm, more than the Lord's Prayer. Now that just tells us something about how many of us are conscious of worry and anxiety in our lives, doesn't it? And Jesus says that kind of anxious worry is wrong because it's incompatible with both the Christian faith and with common sense. It's incompatible with the Christian faith, for example. Jesus calls those who worry about life's necessities people of little faith in verse 30. He illustrates why we should trust God for things by use of what is called in classical argumentation a fortiori arguments, arguments from the lesser to the greater. He, he says if God cares for the birds and the flowers, then how much more will God care for us? Because we're so much more important and significant in God's economy than the birds and the flowers. Charles Spurgeon, again, in his commentary on this passage, said, if you have a Father in heaven to care for you, are you not put to shame by every little bird that sits on the bough and sings, though it has not two grains of barley in all the world? God takes charge of the fowls of the air, and thus they live exempt from care. Why don't we? That's a good question. Why don't we? Have you heard the little poem about the robin and the sparrow? Uh, John R.W. Stott recounts the poem in, in his commentary on the Sermon on the Mount, from which I've gotten a good bit of this material. The poem goes like this. Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. Stott, in fact, points out that Jesus never says that the birds have a heavenly father, but that you and I do which makes it all the more odd that we would not trust our Father to provide for us. If the Creator cares for His creatures, we can be sure that our Father will look after His children. That's what Jesus is trying to tell us here. 
Now, there, there are a few caveats that we want to take note of when we talk about the Christian faith and Jesus' prohibition of worry, and that is, one, believers are not exempt from earning their own living. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, the Bible says, If anyone will not work, neither let him eat. Now, God provides what the birds gather. He provides the sun and the soil for the flowers. But the birds still have to gather, don't they? And the flowers still have to engage in the process of photosynthesis if they're going to avail themselves of what God provides. So God doesn't intend that we sit around saying, God will provide, waiting. I think it was Martin Luther who said, you shouldn't just sit around waiting for a fried chicken to fly into your mouth. God expects that we earn our own living. Believers are not exempt from that, nor, though, are we exempt from responsibility for others. Christians do sometimes have need, and other Christians have a responsibility to help, to bear one another's burdens, as the Bible says. That anyone would have need, whether Christian or not, though, is not God's fault. God has abundantly provided sufficient resources for every person that inhabits this planet. The problem isn't inadequate divine provision, but rather inequitable human distribution. They're talking about a coming food crisis because the Russians have sinfully prevented the Ukrainians from shipping out the abundant grain harvest that they have over there that feeds so much of the world. It's not that God hasn't provided enough. It's the sin in the heart of human beings that causes some to be in want and others to have abundance. Jesus tells us that we have to feed the hungry and clothe the naked or else we'll be judged if we fail to do it. So we have a responsibility for others as well. But finally, believers are not exempt from experiencing trouble either. Freedom from worry and freedom from trouble are two different things. They're not one and the same. Verse 34, in fact, suggests that we will have trouble. And the same thing is found elsewhere in the scripture also. John 16, comes to mind. Jesus told his disciples, In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. We're not exempt from experiencing trouble in this world. In fact, even Jesus, as he spoke these words, must have seen the long shadow of the cross stretching toward him. So the believer is not then promised freedom from work or freedom from responsibility or freedom from trouble, but just freedom from worry about those things. Worry is incompatible with the Christian faith. But worry is also incompatible with common sense. Jesus says worry about tomorrow doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. In verse 34, he mentions both today and tomorrow. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. <clears throat> now, I like... Dallas Willard thinks Jesus was injecting a little humor here, saying you don't have to borrow trouble from tomorrow. Every day will have just enough problems 
to get you to the end of the day. You don't need to borrow more in order to make it. There's truth in that. And Jesus talks about tomorrow and today. Because all worry is about tomorrow. But all worry is experienced today. And often, of course, we worry about things that may never happen the way we worry that they will. Gordon MacDonald said, No man ever sank under the burden of the day. It's when tomorrow's burden is added to the burden of today that the weight is more than a man can bear. Someone else perceptively said, We crucify ourselves between two thieves, regret for yesterday, and worry about tomorrow. After all, Jesus says in verse 27, Who by worrying can add a single hour to his life? In Luke's account of this, he goes on to, to, to record additional words of Jesus saying, Since you cannot do this very little thing, adding one hour to your life, why do you worry about the rest? In fact, worrying can do just the opposite. Studies and doctors tell us that anxious worry actually takes away time from our life rather than adding to it. So if we all know that worry makes no sense, why should we do it? Jesus tells us in verse 33 what we ought to do instead of worrying about the daily necessities of life. In 6 verse 33, Jesus says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all of these other things will be added to you as well. I've spoken about that in the past. I may speak about it again next week. We'll see how it goes. Those are the things that we should focus on. And when it comes to worrying and anxiety, Jesus says don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. And the Apostle Paul goes even farther in that passage in Philippians 4. He says don't worry about anything, but in everything, with prayer and petition and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Peace. Pray. Give your concerns to the God who loves you, the God who will never fail you, and live not in worry, but in His peace. Peace, by the way, is not the absence of worry as much as it is the presence of God. And I'll leave you with this, a little Jamaican proverb, supposedly, that says, if you're going to pray, why worry? And if you're going to worry, why pray? A little bit of wisdom for us. Let's not worry, but let's pray, shall we? Father, we are grateful that you care so much for us, that you love us, that you demonstrate that love in so many ways. God, you have been faithful to us in the past. Each of us could testify to that if we have the spiritual eyesight to see what you've done on our behalf. I pray, God, that that would strengthen our faith, that we might know we can trust you to provide for us in the future as well as you have in the past. And I pray that that would give us the confidence to live each day 
in this dangerous, frightening, worrisome world with our eyes on you instead of the things around us. God, may, may that bring you glory and honor as we do. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Remain in your seat.